Hello and welcome to another episode of the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm Jesse Hyatt. And I'm Mike Varley, and this is week 24 of our marathon walking tour around the five boroughs of New York. This week we walked around Manhattan, we're back in the city, and our theme, because now we're doing themes, was the music of Manhattan. And to talk about our theme, we had a very special guest on this week. His name is Tom Wolfson. He's a friend of ours. He's a musician. He knows a lot about the city. He knows a lot about music in general. Grew up in New York City. We call him a native New Yorker. And I don't want to say too much before we just get into it because we we talked a lot about music. We really covered our route. We covered some of Tom's songs that represent New York City to him. And we talked about, you know, why music relates to cities so much. And if you keep listening, you'll you'll hear it all. That's right. Yeah, we encourage you to listen. It was a great episode. We had a lot of fun with Tom. And we'll do a plug for his band at the beginning because we didn't do a plug for his band till the end of the podcast. So oh, good idea. The band name that he is a part of is Sooner. They have two EPs out. They're going to release a full length very soon. And you can check out their Instagram at Sooner Sounds. But yeah, without further ado, let's go talk to Tom. It's funny, we're doing this this walk, the theme, the music of Manhattan. And, uh, you know, there's just so many songs about New York and Manhattan. Uh, you got to be a little selective. And honestly, yeah. <laughs> we don't know anybody more selective than you. So. Uh, guilty. Yeah. Yes, I am uh, particular, yeah. you could say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a daunting thing to think about all of the music that's associated with New York because I mean, a New York is just one of the most, it, even though it's it's not one, actually one of the biggest cities in the world, it has, you know, the most, arguably the most cultural impact on the world of any city. So it, it you know, stands to reason that there is just a whole you know, culture of, of, you know, music about New York. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot to, yeah. to dissect. Yeah. And this coming from a man who is from the area. That's true. Native, just a, a few blocks up that away. So I should get out of the way right now, mm -hmm. kind of how I am a native New Yorker, because I'm going to be making a lot of statements. I imagine probably, hopefully not too many statements as a capital N native New Yorker oh, yeah. uh, and I should qualify that yeah um, because I grew up in the suburbs mm -hmm. right? and then I moved to Manhattan and went to high school in the city mm -hmm. um, and for a lot of native New Yorkers who, who are extremely gatekeepery about that moniker uh, that is not enough right. so for certain types of very snobby New Yorkers I'm not a true native New Yorker because I didn't spend the entirety of my childhood. Although I would actually argue that I kind of did because my dad lived over there on mm -hmm. 64th and Madison when I was a little kid before I actually full-time lived in the city. So I was always in the city mm -hmm. as a kid and then went to high school here. So. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that counts. Yeah. We consider think, you native New Yorker. I, I don't feel like a phony when people ask me where I grew up and I yeah. say, I grew up in New York City. No. I did. You yeah. did. You know, yeah. I have formative experiences that took place in the island of Manhattan and five boroughs from when I was a very young child 
straight through yeah. to college. Yeah. I think it counts. Yeah. And the neuroses to like prove it really like. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and as, as far as like actively trying to embody uh, like New York stereotypes, <laughs> I, I have definitely, I think, proven myself aggressive in that <laughs> endeavor. You've definitely got that one down. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think so. But you were telling us before we started about the idea of like associating songs with cities. Yeah. It's a very um, interesting thing to think about because well, when, you, when we were talking about, you know, um, you know, music of New York, I was trying to decide whether or not I would approach that from a really personal standpoint or from like an official sort of standpoint. Right. Because I think that there are sort of different prisms through which people associate particular types of music or art in general with certain places right. and like you know when it comes to say like New York like it, it, it would be very easy for anyone who's never even been in New York to be like oh music that's associated with New York Frank Sinatra Lou Reed you know Simon and Garfunkel mm -hmm. like anybody could sort of list off the top of their head like that type of music right. and that's all valid but I think that for me, the music that I associate with New York is kind of a combination of that and also what is very personal for me, some of which is music that maybe people wouldn't necessarily associate with New York and it's just because I happened to have experiences and then some, th some that's sort of in between. But I think that it's interesting how people come to associate certain types of music with certain places or certain types of art with certain places because it makes you think about like why that happens and I think that it comes from a couple different places mm. um, movies mm -hmm. sure oh, I think totally. it's, it's like hard to sort of overestimate how much certain types of music are associated with certain places because of movies mm -hmm. um, and and then artists that are from there and I think that yeah. those are probably the two biggest ways in which people like associate like the the first sort of category, yeah. you know, that's not not a personal experience, but just like, you know, uh, Dr. John is New Orleans music, yeah. you know, the, you know, the Beach Boys are California, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. you know, Frank Sinatra is New York. Right. Um, and so it's sort of interesting, like to kind of kind of map out how that ends up happening yeah, yeah. Well, like, even the even the like my personal songs that either are on our route or that are not on our route that are just like my new york songs they make me feel like i'm in a movie right like if i'm walking like i was listening to a, a sneak peek of what is on our route but it's not really a location so i feel like i can give it away uh back in the new york groove I was listening to that yesterday while we were walking and I was like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, this is, I am back in the New York group. Like, this is great. And there's <laughs> totally a movie, I think it's Wanderlust, where there's like an establishing shot of New York. Mm -hmm. I think it's Wanderlust, uh, where they're like entering New York and in the Brooklyn Bridge and they're playing that. Oh, and it's yeah. like... Come on. It's right. amazing. It's, and if it's you totally have that, a New York moment. It's right. so good. And yeah. if you have that like in your ears while you're on the subway or while you're like coming out of the Port Authority or something, like right. you feel like 
all eyes are on you and like you have your own soundtrack. And I feel like, I don't know, that's how I, when I have the songs that are associated like personally, it, it's, it's kind of as if they are in a movie. It's just a movie that no one has seen and except it's, for me. Especially <laughs> in a city like New York, which has been the set of so many movies. Yeah. It's very easy to feel like you're in a movie when you're walking around New York and listening to you know, a particular piece of music and be like, I'm just in a Woody Allen movie right now. Right. Or, you know, uh, you know, I'm in When Harry Met Sally right now or, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's such a romantic uh, city in that way. Um, I think a minor interesting addendum to like how you associate music with locations is uh, I think road trips often imprint but that's not really mm. a thing yeah. for New York. You know, like you are, right. you probably flew here or you're not driving a car around here most likely if you're visiting. Yeah. But you know, you can associate based on trips, but it's it's hard. I guess you could be listening to a head, headphones while you're walking around. But. It is interesting yeah. how that happens though. Cause like there, I feel like, you know how people like associate smell smells tied to memory. You know, you'll like smell something that'll give you like a sense memory of yeah. something with your childhood. Everybody gets that. I also get the same thing with music, and it has, it, this is a sort of an interesting thing. Like, when I, I, that doesn't really happen anymore because of the way that we listen to music. Because, like, when I was a kid, I listened to CDs. Mm -hmm. So if I went on a trip, I was probably bringing four or five CDs with me, right. and that was the only thing that I was listening to. And so that music would get imprinted onto a place, like, totally. for example. I went to London with uh, my family when I was in seventh grade, and I was listening uh, to this album, uh, Wake of the Flood by the Grateful Dead, like mm -hmm. constantly okay. throughout that trip, because mm -hmm. it was one of like three CDs I had, and the other two, I guess, weren't as interesting to me. And so that w I was just listening to that album over and over and over again. And now, whenever I listen to certain songs from that record, I immediately right. think of like I can like smell yeah. London, yeah. but that album has nothing to do with London culturally. Right. It's a Grateful Dead album, yeah. And so it's weird how like that is also like a prism that people have these very deeply personal experiences. There are like there are certain. Um, it's funny because we're actually going to be I'm, or I'm going to be talking about uh, Charlie Parker probably a lot uh, today. But there's one Charlie Parker record that I brought with me on a trip to Disney World <laughs> when I was like 12 or something. Yeah. And so like the most unjazzy, unsoulful place in the world. If I listen to certain Charlie Parker songs, I'm like right back in Orlando, Florida. Oh <laughs> it's so weird how that happens. Yeah. yeah. But you really like Disney World. Do you think that's part of like why? I'm not in front of the cameras. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you you it out. It out. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, that's like a, th a thing with my family. My sister's a, a huge Disney fanatic, uh, Disney theme parks fanatic, um, and so we went to Disney a lot when I was a kid. And like, I do. I, 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 I I've been, it, I've been going there since I was a kid. So like, there's a nostalgia for me. I also think that like. I, uh, people who are very cynical about Disney World tend to be people who've never been. Mm-hmm. And certainly haven't been with like their Walkman and the Charlie Parker blasting <laughs> exactly. through your eardrums, making the, it a much more elevated experience, I'm the sure. The only true way to experience Disney World 
is with jazz. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't get the full elegance of the Magic Kingdom yeah. unless you're like listening to some really intense hard bop, you know? Just nodding. They just, they go hand in hand. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a That's total a pro tip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pro tip. Go by yourself, wear headphones, <laughs> don't talk to anyone, just listen to jazz on the rides. <laughs> That's 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 the real that's how the real Disney fans do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we should talk about our route, kind of give you yeah. an idea. We sent you along uh, the list. We're excited for some of the uh, the feedback we're gonna get. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't really give you a sense of like why we picked those songs. Okay. Um, and the audience doesn't know either. Uh, the reason we picked those songs in particular. One, we wanted to limit ourselves to Manhattan because this is actually the first of three music-themed walks. There's a Queens-themed music walk and a Brooklyn-themed music walk, which uh, you'll just have to find out what they are. Yeah. Good, because then I, I, by, uh, I sort of by accident didn't really include a lot of what I would consider to be non-Manhattan music. I did oh, include some, but mm, the overwhelming majority of it is Manhattan-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And we can talk about the nom ones too. Sure. Uh, but we also wanted to do something, songs that uh, were spaced out enough around the island to capture a marathon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was kind of a little bit of, I'm not even really sure if we had any one song that we wanted to be on the walk. It was more just like, all right, let's start at the bottom of the island and like start yeah. way, working our way up the, you know, the west side and down the east side. And then right, like, all right, right, we got a marathon. And also like specifically songs that reference a place or right. a neighborhood or a street or something like that, as opposed to just like the vibe of New York or like the, the you know, uh, the city itself or something I, like that. So and I think that I would normally kind of maybe even just uh, out of a uh, uh, staunch uh, commitment to being contrarian would like disqualify certain songs like sure. that. But for what you guys are doing, <laughs> I think that it, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, because, and we'll, we may talk about this a little bit more later, I think that there are certain songs that, that maybe through no fault of their own, or I think through very much through fault of their own, uh, kind of are false uh, <laughs> false anthems of mm. New York because they try too hard to associate themselves with like a part of New York and it's like you don't own Washington Square Park right like you know you know you, you, who, like who do you think you are writing about that writing about that place you think you're you think now just because you wrote that song about you know the the West Village that now that that's just going to be an anthem fuck you Right. <laughs> well, but we're definitely going to get to that song. Going, yeah, <laughs> I want to hear that. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just want to make sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you guys are going to lose your sponsors. No, <laughs> it's, our, it's our own very... It's a blue podcast. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, and one uh, last thing, we, I, we should thank uh, our, I guess, outreach coordinator, Teresa. Yeah. Because uh, we had, uh, you know, this list... And then she went ahead and reached out to different uh, contacts that corresponded to the songs and got us a little bit more information. Cool. Yeah, so, yeah, so this week we cool. actually got to talk to two different people, which I guess I'll just say it now. Yeah, I think we should just start off with the first song, yeah. which is The Bridge by Sonny Rollins. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I spoke on the phone with 
a guy named Jeff from the Sonny Rollins Bridge Project, wow. which is a project that is looking to rename the Williamsburg Bridge the Sonny Rollins Williamsburg Bridge. That is the fucking coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sonny Rollins is a goddamn legend, and that would make me so happy. Uh, it, I, I had no idea that that was a thing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we should, I'm glad we're saying it on camera right now because we should definitely get more people to sign that petition and make that happen. But the story, I'm sure you know, but for anyone that Actually, doesn't don't. know. I know oh. that I know that composition. I had no idea that it was about the Williamsburg Bridge. Yeah. So the story of Sonny Rollins, the bridge, is that he was really famous, getting or getting really famous, really popular in the scene. And then felt like he was getting too popular like quickly and that his skills weren't really huh. improving uh, as much as he wanted them to so he took a hiatus and was just practicing at home and then couldn't practice at home because of neighbors like being too loud for the neighbors he lived down in the lower east side so he it was before the bridge the Williamsburg bridge was as it is now there used to be like little stairways in the middle to okay. go up so he would climb up those stairways, find a little hidden spot, and play the saxophone huh. on the bridge. And no one knew that he was doing this. So for like a year and a half, I believe, he was just playing on the bridge. Wow. And he oh was this mystery man that was like playing this beautiful music. And then a reporter wrote something and it caught on and he stopped doing it and went uh. back out to perform in public. I think is how that and then recorded that album wow but that's the story of Sonny Rollins and the Williamsburg Bridge I had no idea any of that isn't that amazing and I mean talk about like cinematic New York iconography like Sonny Rollins on the, like practicing saxophone on the Williamsburg Bridge that's just like the it's like most field of dreams yeah yeah <laughs> right it's like the most like it's like almost too <laughs> like iconic yeah. an image yeah. to exist yeah. like imagine being a guy you know like just by accident like stumbling upon that like oh gives me goosebumps i yeah. know right it's like when like yo-yo ma was performing i think in central park like 10 years ago or something and people would ju were just like i don't know who that is but it's amazing and, yeah like, i imagine it'd be people like probably seeing, had the same experience it'd be like seeing like paul mccartney busking in liverpool or something <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> Totally. And just being like, oh my God, of course. I, yeah. I actually have a, I don't know if this is really relevant to what we're talking about, but I had sort of an experience like that once, which is that the first time I ever went to Chicago, um, I was in college and I went for a weekend. Um, I went to college in Michigan. And so, you know, we took a road trip um, to Chicago um, with my friend Yuri and my friend Scott. And uh, we, were, we stayed at this hotel for like two nights. We got together with some of our friends. We, did, we went to some bars. It was really just like a f real quick tour. Um, and I was standing outside the hotel smoking a cigarette. And I looked down the block. And from like, like almost like a block and a half away, I just see this really tall man. And I immediately recognized him as Nels Klein, the lead guitarist for Wilco. Oh, okay. And I immediately was just like, that's Nels Klein. And Wilco is a band from Chicago. They're like associated with Chicago. They write songs about Chicago. Right. They're, you know, very much a Chicago -y band. And then as he was walking towards me, I realized he was walking into the hotel that I was staying in. Yeah. Oh, and I was just like, this is too, like, this is too weird. I go to Chicago one time <laughs> and I run into one of the like maybe 
five musicians that I would associate with Chicago. Right. right. And so like I walked into the hotel and I was just like, excuse me, are you Nels Klein? And he was just like, uh, yeah, I am. Cause like he's, you know, a guitarist for a fairly famous band. This was also back in, you know, 2008 right. or something like so. When so they were at their peak. Yeah, when they were at their peak. But like he had just kind of joined the band. He's not like a household name mm-hmm. or anything like that. So he was super nice. And I was like, you know, we like chatted. We got in the elevator together. And he gets off the elevator and goes, yeah, next time you come see a Wilco show, uh, you know, come come backstage. And I was just like, what? What, what does that mean as the doors are closing? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What are you, is, that a standing, is that a standing invitation? <laughs> and then he was gone. But yeah, talk about like music, musicians Uh, associated with cities. It was like, you know, if I had gone to New York for the first time and had bumped into Sonny Rollins practicing in the bridge. And like, I'm sure that's happened because it's like a nice thing to walk over. And yeah, 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 amazing. It's crazy. And so uh, that's how we enter Manhattan this week, the Williamsburg Bridge. Uh, And from there, we start going down uh, and uh, we put together the playlist, uh, I had honestly forgotten about this until we sent it to you, but we put it together uh, according to how we traverse the route. Got it. So it's in, uh, in chronological, in geographical sure. order. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the uh, next song is New York State of Mind by mm-hmm. Billy Joel, which when we sent along <laughs> the playlist right <laughs> to uh, Tom, he went, oh, that's a pretty good list. Except for Billy Joel, <laughs> yeah. which is wonderful. Because yeah. I, uh, I don't even necessarily know if I have a counterpoint for this. I'm just really excited for the point. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Well, I should preface this by saying that I, uh, in general, am not a big fan of Billy Joel. Sure. Um, I just don't care for his music. Um, I believe I, I once said to a friend, and I think that I, this, this, best exemplifies uh, how I feel about him, that uh, if his songs were to uh, come alive one day, uh, they would commit suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least they should. Um, (laughs) So it's not so much that I dislike him as I have like active vitriolic disdain for everything he does Um, (laughs) and stands for. Yeah. but yeah, that song in particular, I really think embodies, uh, you know, not trying to pussyfoot around here, um, but yeah, really embodies kind of everything I, I really dislike about him. It, it, I sort of mentioned earlier, like songs that seem like they're trying mm, to be New York okay. anthems. Yeah. That second only to maybe uh, Empire State of Mind sure. is the I Alicia think- The Keys, yeah, Jay-Z, okay. Which is maybe the worst offender. Um, and it, I actually don't mind the, the Alicia Keys Jay-Z song that much. It just seems like they knew as they were writing it that it was gonna be a New York anthem. Sure. That they were just like, it's like writing a Christmas song, mm-hmm. you know? It's yeah. like, this is gonna be a hit and we're gonna make a million dollars yeah. from this every time it's played at a Yankees game for the next 40 years. Right. Sure. Um, well, the Yankees happened to win the World Series that year. It was very fortuitous for them. Oh, right. So they were playing it for all the highlights and everything as well. Oh, God, right. I didn't even, yeah. I, didn't, I forgot about that. Oh 2009. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, oh, but man. yeah, New York State <laughs> of Mind, to me, it sounds like how non-New Yorkers 
imagine the elegance of New York. Right. Um, I, it's like it's like ordering a Manhattan at an Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's something that like on the outside appears classy and elegant, but like is just so suburban. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, and I, maybe this is just because I can't help. Uh, viewing everything that Billy Joel does through like the prism of like Long Island New Yorkers, no offense. No, no, no. <laughs> That's um, what it is. It's a, he's the totem for yeah. the entire yeah. island. Yeah. 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 Um, and like, I don't tend to love Long Island in general, <laughs> um, <laughs> at, which is it's, uh, it's actually weird because I actually spent a lot of time in Long Island as, as a kid. Um, cause I had a lot of friends that lived there from like camp and stuff like that. And so I have a lot of good memories hanging out on Long Island, Yeah. but like mostly good memories of hanging out with my friends who are just like, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I really don't like that song. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is it like, is it that he's also just like, everything's like big and everything's like feels like theater or like is it that yeah. part of it too like it's the the vibe of it's like very easy listening i would say yeah and it's like he he's trying to flex jazz muscles in right. the songs right. in that in that song uh that like he doesn't have he hasn't earned <laughs> yeah. you know he's not a, a jazz composer he doesn't make jazz songs and he was like you it almost felt when you listen to that song i i can like picture him being like I'm gonna write a jazz standard about New York because I'm Billy Joel and god damn it I can and people will accept it and in that sense he wasn't wrong yeah because for a lot of people that song is the like embodiment of New York and uh, you know maybe who am I to say otherwise I mean I'm I'm not a great songwriter but uh, I just I th- that song it feels phony to me. Mm-hmm. It, it feels mm-hmm. it feels desperate to prove its New Yorkiness. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I think that's I think that's a great review. Um, <laughs> I, I don't agree. know that I Thanks. necessarily have like I personally don't have a feeling one way or the other on Billy Joel. He wrote Allentown, which is where I'm from, right. which is de- a very depressing song and quite accurate yeah. um, to my experience growing up there. And, like. that, and that song <laughs> is a song that seems desperate to prove its Bruce Springsteeniness. Yeah, and in, will if you never ask me, be Bruce Springsteen that is correct. Because there's only one boss. That is correct. So. <laughs> and I should also say that as a as a Billy Joel hater, I am also a Bruce Springsteen lover. lover right. Although I think that that's a false dichotomy because to compare the two is just a, a fool's errand. But yeah. I know that people like sort of tend to mention them in the same breath because they both are like blue collar tri-state area name droppers. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, Bruce Springsteen does it with, like, effortlessly and, like, with class and, and you know, poetry and and, uh, and Billy Joel is a hack. So. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to say, though, on my liked songs on my Spotify playlist, um, I do have Moving Out, Anthony's song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I really like the way he goes, the heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they're actually, if I'm being honest, there's like one or two Billy Joel songs that, like, if I hear them, I don't immediately, like, turn them off. <laughs> and I hate myself when that happens. 
Um, right. But like, you know, I, I don't think he's like the worst songwriter ever. It's just so much fun to hate him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's not that I think he's like the worst songwriter ever. Of course there's like worse songwriters, but like he's a good enough songwriter that it matters to hate him. Mm, that's I guess. Good. Oh, that's, I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah I that guess that's really the best sense. possible compliment I will ever yeah. be able to give him. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's important to hate him. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I feel like I need to weigh in, otherwise I won't be let back into Long Island. Okay. Uh, so. yes, yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, I mean when we when I met all of Mike's family they were like, where are you from? And like, Allentown. And they're like, like Billy oh, Joel God, yes. song. You yeah. must love Billy Joel. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't really care one way or the other. I know the song you're referencing. It's clearly yeah. you do, but yeah. I'm they're <laughs> thick as thieves. They're thick as thieves on the island. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Any, anybody who's going to give them some love, they'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think the most important thing about Billy Joel is that, but also to like further expound upon it, um, you talk about the suburbanness, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I really there's a, a famous writer that wrote a, a small book about New York whose name is escaping me right now. It's 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 pretty bad, but I'm gonna I'm gonna crib from him, where he talks about like the three different types of people that exist in New York, and there's the native New Yorker, mm-hmm. there, uh, and they each have like different functions with the, the, and then there's the the person that comes here for you know to make it. Right. And they have like a, a vitality about them. And then there's the people that are the commuters and that they, they mm-hmm. each, each make a third of the story of the city. And uh, yeah, the fact that the, the tri-state area pours in by the millions uh, every day when it's, you know, not a pandemic. Right. And then and right. then goes back and there's that kind of circulatory system to it. And Billy Joel is uh, in many ways the heart of that circulatory totally. system. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, one of the reasons that I thought I you know, when I associate this song, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know if I've ever put this song on and been like, ah, yeah, right. like I've never, <laughs> never once, but As um, the skyline is coming over the LIE, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> but, but like at the end of Yankee games, they listen to New York, New York because they have class. Right. And at the end of Mets games, it's New York state of mind. Oh really? I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's, oh, that's no honestly, idea. I have no problem with that. That's so funny. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, there's so many Mets fans from Long Island yeah, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 They're the Long Island Mets. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so there's there's something about uh, him that uh, yeah, I can't uh, I can't listen to a bunch of his songs because they are overly precious or just kind of like they I don't even know if they were intended for the that audience as they were written, but they've become that, mm-hmm. yeah. and so it's difficult to consume them. But uh, as far as like the anthemic song that, that that's the only thing that's on this list that even comes close to aspiring to that sure and uh and it mentions chinatown which is where we go next on the walk so right. okay. i mean yeah. like you know but obviously i don't think there's a single person in chinatown that even associates that song with anything <laughs> yeah. it just happens to be uh what it is yeah so, yeah um, totally and I, and i think that it's it's worth saying that i think that billy joel i i would imagine I, I i can't really speak with that much authority on like his whole career because I don't like his music, so I haven't really listened to it that much. I've just listened to it enough to have, a, you know, a, a baseline opinion. But it, it seems to me like that his music and his storytelling works best when he's operating from that perspective, mm-hmm. from the perspective of like a commuter, 
You know, mm -hmm. I mean, his first mm -hmm. record is literally called like Cold Spring Harbor, right? Yeah. yeah and like so. that to me, I'm like, yes, that's your lane. Stay in that lane. That's, that's you being genuine. Mm -hmm. You can speak to that experience of being like the guy who from the boring place where, you know, Oz is on the horizon. Right. But then I think like, then he went to LA and like made a couple albums and then that's like where he made Piano Man. Mm. And then he came back to New York. Mm. And I think when he made that transition and like turnstiles, like that mm -hmm. era, yeah. that's when he was like, no, I'm a New Yorker, 52nd Street. You know, right. I'm holding a trumpet. Right. I'm I'm doing big shot. You know, right. Fifth Avenue and Dom Perignon, your hand, yeah. cocaine. I'm hard. Yeah. I'm New York, <laughs> and that's where it completely goes off the rails. Right. But like, he kind of goes back into that lane a couple of times in his career, and I think when he does that, that's like, I, I still don't like his like his melodies and stuff, and that's like whatever. You know, I can't really fault somebody for writing melodies I don't like, but at least he's not being a phony. Right. In mm -hmm. those in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. yeah. so. Nice. Um, we should uh, move along to the yeah. next song. Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. But I think we did, we, we did good work. We did yeah. good Billy Joel work. Yeah. Um, I'm, all, I'm always happy to go go to work on Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the next the next track uh, actually can uh, I presume can uh, delve a little bit into your movie experience as well. Okay. Although I neither of us have seen this movie, mm -hmm. um, but uh, People Who Died by the Jim Carroll Band. Uh, which the movie associated uh, with uh, that is The Basketball Diaries. Uh, oh. Jim Carroll was the autobiographical main character that Leonardo DiCaprio played. Right. Uh, which I, I like I said, neither of us have seen it, it but we I presume you watched the trailer yesterday. I, you know, but... I've seen it, I haven't seen it in a long time. Mm. I saw it, I remember what, it, it used to play on HBO when I was in high school and I would watch little bits and pieces of it. I don't even know if I've seen it all the way through. Yeah. Um, I just remember like the scenes of uh, uh, them like driving around like with the guy in the in the in the driver's seat like nodding off yeah. right. like as they like fly down you know Bleecker Street or yeah. whatever yeah. right um, but I I don't really remember it that well and I definitely I don't know that song yeah yeah uh, listen to it the, yeah the song uh, I would recommend and I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't heard it before. Does that make sense? I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised, be surprised if, you if you have, have heard, heard it before. It's okay. um, it's kind of like a list song, whereas like he's just listing off people that died uh, during, okay. while he was yeah. you know in this terrible state of his Got life. It. He uh, basically grew up in uh, uptown, uptown, like Inwood. Right. And when he was like twelve or thirteen, I think, got into drugs and started like going out and like stealing cars and like going to 53rd and 3rd to like prostitute himself right. and just like really like got into this whole scene in New York. And then I think by 19 was clean, but during that whole time had written, had kept really sharp diary. Yeah. He was also going to private school, I believe, and playing basketball. Right. And so that's why it ended up being called the Basketball Diaries. But it was his, basically just like his memoirs about like, yeah, being, being a, a teen, it. yeah, and like having a like this really like tough teenage life in New York City. Yeah. Um, Started and then, a band, yeah, and then dated this... Patti Smith, you right. know, <laughs> did everything, you know, and then died in 2009. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I mean, we would have watched the movie uh, had we enough time, but uh, we sure. We I'd like to see it. And at I some would still point, like to see but, it. Yeah, I think but, it's considered a, like a pretty great film. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. should go back and watch it. Yeah. yeah. But um, and, but yeah, the song basically lists like 
I guess because that was his life, he had all these friends that died at really young ages. Right. Um, and it lists, yeah, like how like how that happened. And I don't know if they're all true or not, or you know, some right. of it might just kind of rhyme yeah. um, for the lyrics. And relative but... to the walk itself, he references a friend that hung himself in the tombs. And the tombs is the Manhattan Detention Center, which is down by uh, Columbus Park. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Again, in the Hall. Chinatown area in the City Hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, which apparently has been rebuilt four times. So the, the one that he was referencing doesn't even stand there anymore. Right. But right. it's still right. referred to as the tombs, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and to think about that and walk through there and then also even just to, like, walk through that section and actually pay attention to what's around, it's so bizarre. It's, right. There's the detention center and then across the street that's like a little side street and it's every other is a, like a Thai restaurant and then a bail bonds and then a nail salon and yeah. then a bail bonds and then a massage place and a bail bonds and like it's so bizarre yeah yeah and just like this little snippet into what someone might be dealing with one day you know like yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's such a weird area down there. I, I did jury duty down there once. Mm. And uh, I remember, like, you don't really ever look at that, at that area the same way again after going through the court system or some aspect right. of the yeah. criminal justice system there. Because um, it's just, like, this thing that you pass and it's like, oh, these big, beautiful, like, you know, neo-classical uh, buildings and everything. And you're just like, right, this is the, you know, the where the courts are and there's city hall and it's right. just, just like a municipal area and then you're like actually it's like a really weird dark seedy yeah. place where people go to suffer right <laughs> right and they are these like beautiful buildings that are in kind of a touristy area like right. you said yeah i've i've only done uh jury duty in brooklyn and like so those buildings still to yeah, me are just like hmm, i'm sure no one goes in there right it's just like there to represent the courts yeah, yeah. <laughs> they know, almost like, seem more like monuments than than buildings you know they because yeah. they look like the monuments in, in dc or, yeah yeah it's yeah. bizarre so from there we go west and and north a little bit and uh we head over to the village mm -hmm. and the song that we chose was positively fourth street yeah. by bob dylan and there are so many songs. I think there is a website, in fact, that catalogs every reference Bob Dylan <laughs> makes to a different part of New York City. Right. Uh, we chose that one uh, for a couple reasons. And it's like, he's never been entirely clear on if Positively 4th Street is 4th Street. Right. That's what people mm -hmm. assume. Mm -hmm. There's also a 4th Street in, in Hibbing, Minnesota, I think, or where oh. he went yeah. to college, and uh, it could be there. Well, also, I don't even know if he, when, when he did Blonde on, because that's on Blonde on Blonde, right? It is. No, uh, it the, is a uh, single from Highway 61 revisit. Right, so it's, right. it's you know, in yeah, that and, era. And, but, yeah. the, you know, after after he, you know, went electric. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know if he was still living in New York when that happened. Because mm. I, I thought of that song, too. And, like, Bob Dylan in general, when I was making my playlist, and I was like, but I don't really associate that song with the period of Bob Dylan's life that's associated with New York. But... Also, because he's Bob Dylan, like you can, you can, you can, you can associate any of his music with New York, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, if if Bob Dylan's not a, a New York musician, then who is? Right. You know? For me, I think it. I mean, he is trashing some unnamed person. Right. Saying, you know, as he is trying to escape his folk era yeah. and go somewhere else 
And uh, I, I, I guess there's something about that sentiment, the idea of like, fuck you, I am, you know, trying to do something with my life and I'm not gonna, right. I'm not gonna deal with the haters. Mm -hmm. That seems quintessentially New York. Right. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. So, That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and that specifically that, like, that little area, that little neighborhood right there. Yeah, and yeah. maybe, I, like, I didn't even think about this and maybe we're, you know, kind of, going off the rails imprinting our own projections on you know Bob Dylan lyrics which I guess is the only thing you can do yeah yeah but like it makes you think of like maybe he was he was writing that to the New York folk scene after you know so many of those people like rejected him for you totally. know branching out yeah maybe so in a sense maybe, I guess it maybe it is like a retrospective song about New York in like a yeah, you know, yeah. That's kind of how I always thought about yeah. it, and it's also it's a, as valid an interpretation yeah. as you can have for yeah. for a Bob Dylan. For, yeah, yeah, pretty concrete on, yeah. the, on the spectrum. Yeah, uh, but it also just blatantly lists a street, which was right. useful for right. uh, trying to construct <laughs> a wall. But only in the title. Yeah, there, yeah. You know, I don't doesn't think, reference yeah. it at he all. Doesn't, all yeah, he doesn't reference anything in in you know about New York. I think in the lyrics. No, he doesn't. Yeah, it's just just but, trashing people. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But we walked through there yesterday uh, for our 360 footage and like, you know, passed by the Mineta Tavern and Cafe Wa and, you know, the Blue yeah. Note and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of vacant right now, but you mm -hmm. can still feel, I don't know, I feel the history of that area. It's funny because I, I get, I, I intentionally or unintentionally, I didn't put any uh, early 60s New York folk on my playlist. And and then I was, and then I like finished my playlist and I was like, oh, I forgot Simon and Garfunkel mm. and, and all of that. And then I thought about it and I realized that for some reason, I don't really associate that music with New York. I love all of that mm -hmm. music. Yeah. But like, to me, even though I'm sure that there's a lot of people who would really disagree with me, I feel like that, that music isn't really truly like New York music because like, that happened at such a specific time for such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And like, it was basically just, and it, it's music with a rural tradition right. that like for this brief, like five to 10 year period happened to find a home in New York. And then like, I mean, obviously there's still like a little bit of a folk tradition in the village. I guess that continued through the eighties. And we're, uh, I have somebody on my playlist um, that, sort of embodies like the later stages of that. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I don't know, even when I listen to like Simon and Garfunkel, like the most like New York-y folk, you know, The Boxer or 59th Street Bridge song or any yeah. of those songs, like I love those songs, but like I don't, it doesn't make me think of New York for some yeah. reason. That's I doesn't, interesting. It doesn't make me feel like I'm in a movie about New York when I'm walking through New York and I'm listening to mm. Simon and Garfunkel. That's funny. It almost, I feel like to me, a lot of that, like what was happening then is people coming in and like meeting here and like right. spending some time here to create something, totally. which I think is the experience of a lot of people that yeah, are that's here. A really good point. But it, I, I get what you're saying. And I feel like when we walk, you know, when we walk through that little area there where like all these things happened, um, I do feel the history and I do feel the energy, but I also feel like, wow, we're really trying to keep this yeah. alive and it's not anymore. Like that was just a brief moment of time. It, it's not probably gonna happen and again. And I think that this is something that's really a very 
for me personal thing. I think that yeah. for most people, when they listen to that, or for a lot of people, when they listen to that music, it is very steeped in like New York imagery. And I almost kind of like envy that. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it, it totally, it totally makes sense to like, I do like officially think of it as New York music. Yeah. It's just like for me personally, I, it doesn't, it, the two don't like connect. Yeah, I, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I guess it actually, I think this, this kind of brings us into our next song, actually, okay. too, um, because the next song on our list is Chelsea Morning oh, by Joni yeah. Mitchell. And, I mean, for me, that's very much a personal New York song because yeah. I listened to that. It's on Blue, right? I listened to that album. No, it's, no, not, it's not. I don't think it's no. actually, I think it's on her second record or it was a single. Oh, was it? It's definitely sung to a Seagull era. Okay. Well, I remember it listening was... to Blue and then also listening to that song and maybe whatever album that's on a lot when I first moved to New York. Yeah. And I was living um, in the East Village and I'd like walk over to I don't know what it's on. Chelsea. I just read it yesterday. That's the only reason I know. Yeah. No, yeah. I believe you. I mean, it's too happy to be. It's like so happy. Right. It makes me happy. She at least. referenced <laughs> it as uh, she thinks of it as one of her earlier works, and she she said it was like her ingenue period. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. And uh, and yeah. I mean, she was actually her rebuffing David Crosby period. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you could probably describe her entire career. <laughs> but and I'm not. I'm by no means a, a Joni Mitchell expert. I just happened to do research relative to this song. But that she was the third person to perform the song. It was a Fairport Convention's debut oh. album, and then uh, I think she, she, Judy Collins did yeah. it, and then, then she oh, did wow. it. So I don't really know how much of her career was songwriting before she herself became a performer. But, yeah. Uh, this was an instance. Obviously, in that era, everybody was writing songs for everybody. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Huh. But yeah. But yeah. I mean, we were yeah. obviously we've been listening to it, and it, it is. It's it's bright and optimistic. It's. I mean, and, it's, yeah. it's like one of the most beautiful songs I've ever written. I actually yeah. have a another jo a different Joni Mitchell song yeah. on my list. Yeah, you should uh, talk but about from it now. A completely different yeah. era. Right. So this also just happens to be one of my all-time favorite songs. Period. Um, but song for Sharon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which uh, I include it because I actually. It, so in the song, she mentions taking the Staten Island Ferry to Staten Island uh -huh. to buy a mandolin. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the first stanza. And I include that because I love that song so much that I literally did that. When it, w What she's talking about in the song, there's a, a store in Staten mm -hmm. Island called Mandolin Brothers um, that is legendary. I mean, it is one of the greatest string instrument stores in America uh -huh. um, and it's in this weird part of Staten Island that you would never otherwise go to I mean like I don't know if there are unweird parts of Staten Island <laughs> that you would want to go to but uh, I, you guys could speak we to that more than I can we went yeah. all over it yeah it's weird and fantastic um, but I literally was just like I need to recreate this experience uh, because there was a point in, in my life where I decided I wanted to buy a mandolin and learn how to play mandolin um, this is before I realized that my fingers are way too sausagey for me to play a mandolin, and I, I failed um, in that endeavor. But I could have, I had a car at the time, and I could have driven to Staten Island to go to this store. And I was living in Brooklyn and decided, no, I'm going to do what she did. And I took the subway into Manhattan, <laughs> got on the Staten Island ferry, yeah. and took it to Staten Island 
and then took like three buses and walked 15 minutes to get to this mandolin store and walked in and there was nobody in the store. It was like in the middle of the day on a Wednesday and there was a guy that was running, working at the store who was just like, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, is this really the store with Joni Mitchell? And the guy's like, uh, come here. And it was this like old guy and it turned out he's been running the store for like 50 years and he was like, he like pulls out like a big scrapbook oh my and gosh. just proceeds to show like pictures of him with like every great singer songwriter. He's like, yeah, here's the picture of me and Joni when she bought the mandolin um, and then she wrote that song about it. Or actually, I think, I think what happened if I'm, I, this is going to sound like I'm making this up, but I, I think I walked into the store and he was just like working and I picked up a guitar and I started playing Coyote, which is a Joni Mitchell song from the same record. Mm -hmm. And then he like, I think he like came over and he was like, so you're, you're here, here, you're here. Yeah. And I was just like, is there really like, do you have evidence? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here, come here. And it was, it was incredibly cool. And also incredibly shrewd because then he managed to upsell me to like a $350 Gibson mandolin that I was just like, yes, of course I'm going to buy this. Right. It's totally necessary purchase. Yeah. And then I played it for like six months and sold it to a friend. Right. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. But yeah, a great, great song. And other than like, you know, Wu-Tang, uh, like the best musical reference to Staten to Island. Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah, I, I I can't challenge you on that. I can't think of anything offhand that's Staten Island related. That yeah. Is we don't have a Staten Island walk, so we haven't done the research. But the Staten Island <laughs> musical walk. We have. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've done. We did no, actually no, no, while we were in uh, Staten Island though. We did visit uh, the Wu Tang Street. Oh, there is a, yeah, yeah, and there's, there's a, a mural lot. there. And we there's took a pictures. lot of course. there. Yeah. 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 I mean, way to go, Wu-Tang Clan, for, like, making Staten Island seem at all cool. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And, like, I, I mean, also, their music's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have Wu-Tang on my, uh, or no, I have Old Dirty Bastard mm-hmm. on my, yeah. on my yeah. playlist, but no formal Wu-Tang. But, like, yeah, you know, what, what can you say? They're, they're fucking Wu-Tang Clan, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. They are, they are... No, that's insulting. I was gonna say they are to Wu Tang, or they are to Staten Island what Billy Joel is to Long Island, but I, I, I oh. that's that's like an insult to Wu Tang. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, especially after that rant we just heard right. about Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're cool about it. Yeah, they're 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 the opposite thing. They're like Long Island is almost like too cool for Billy Joel. Yeah, Wu Tang Clan is like too cool for Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like don't deserve them. <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, uh, one thing that actually wasn't on the list as far as the progression of the walk, but uh, thanks to Teresa, we incorporated into the walk uh, was uh, Tin Pan Alley, yeah. which uh, yeah. Jesse managed to talk to somebody uh, about that topic as yeah, well. Yeah, I talked to a woman named Michelle from the Historical Districts Council, I hope I'm getting that right, Yeah. Um, about, I guess what they do, that organization, is they go around and landmark different locations in the city. Uh-huh. And there's five buildings on 28th Street between Broadway and 6th that were part of Tin Pan Alley that like basically just are like falling apart. Right. Like there's basically yeah. like a slumlord in charge of those buildings. and. 
there have been people trying to knock them down and develop it. And this group, um, HDC, they worked to actually get those buildings landmarked. Right. So now they can't be destroyed. Um, yeah, and, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 and that's great. And I really didn't know much about the history of Tin Pan Alley, but I guess just like that one little area, there was a period of time in like the early 1900s, am I getting yeah. that right? Um, where just like a ton of music was created. Like Take Me Out to the Ball Game was like the number right. one song. I did not put that on yeah. <laughs> our, our playlist. I put a different song. I mean, that's like, that's but, basically like the birthplace of musical comedy, with, yeah. you know, musical theater, um, all, all happened there. And it was, I was trying to decide what musical theater to put on my list because I am also, uh, somewhat embarrassingly like a big musical theater fan. Um, yeah. but, uh, I eventually decided that like most of my favorite musical theater is not the musical theater that's about New York. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't really put any on or the like the like those Tin Pan Alley songs. Yeah. My favorite versions of them are when they were interpreted by jazz musicians. And so I, okay. I used those. versions. Yeah. And they're like double, triple New York songs. Yeah. It's the whole know? layering system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just realized now that we're talking about Tin Pan Alley that there's like a whole like chunk of New York music that I didn't even consider when uh, when I was making my list, which is like Brill Building, uh, uh, you know, music, Lieber and Stoller and all of that. Mm. You, you guys, you which guys know we're going to. Yeah. Okay. There was, I'm, honestly, let's roll in and reference those two so we can get cool. to your list. But uh, both uh, on Broadway and Spanish Harlem. Yeah. Uh, on Broadway, G the George Benson version we did, but I think the original is The Drifters. Yeah. And Lieber and mm. Stoller. And then uh, Spanish Harlem, Benny King. Right. And, uh, and uh, Phil Spector is involved to some capacity to that right. as well. Right. Which I honestly didn't know a lot about that until I was researching these songs. Uh, but yeah, so you might know more th about Lieber and Stoller than we do, but. I mean, I, I wish I knew more, actually. Um, and. Uh, I should have like read their whole Wikipedia page so that I could seem like an expert on it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I know that they like sort of ghost wrote a lot of the early days of uh, rock and roll. Mm. Yeah. Um, like Hound Dog and like, yeah, yeah, they wrote Hound Dog uh, for, but like they also kind of didn't because like they didn't invent rock and roll. Right. Like people of color invented rock and roll, and then they like saw that. And like filtered it through like a white, you know, like uh, assembly line right. system of like adapting, you know, R and B and like jump blues for white consumption. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, I you know it'll be it's, it's sort of interesting to think of like the revisionist history because like there are people out there who are like no like Lieber and Stoller didn't like. You know, Chuck Berry didn't invent rock and roll. Lieber and Stoller did. And it's like, mm, well, it's kind of a revisionist. <laughs> you can sort of uh, choose your own adventure here based on how you define American race politics. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but, well, also, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Michael J. Fox. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Good old Marty McFly. Jesse hadn't seen any of those. We just watched we just them, watched a, week them like a week ago. We just watched them like a week ago. That's why it's like quick. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I, I listened to a podcast. Uh, and you 
guys are probably gonna end up editing this out, but I, there's a I, <laughs> podcast that I listened to called uh, Blank Check that I was actually listening to while I was walking over here, and they're doing Robert Zemeckis right now. Yeah. And they, th- like, all three of them are just like huge Back to the Future fanboys, and then they kind of make a bit out of their like. Back to the Future is like one of the greatest movies ever, ex of except for him inventing rock and roll. <laughs> like they make, it's like a whole bit, and they're like, yes, but like obviously one of the best movies ever made, except for him inventing rock and roll, which is deeply problematic. Like Marty, white guy did not teach, yeah. you know, Marvin Berry, <laughs> Chuck Berry's cousin, how to play rock and roll. It's like, yeah, I never even thought about it, but like that is uh, kind of an insulting bit in that movie. Yeah. 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 They, they should, it's almost like they should have gone into the future and realized that yeah, that was not right? going to work. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't doesn't super scan yeah. uh, nowadays. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> so uh, George Benson uh, was the next one. George Benson rendition of On Broadway. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we go to. Uh, Across 110th Street, mm-hmm. which uh, I mean, honestly, I think of the uh, Jackie Brown uh, right. at the conclusion mm-hmm. yeah. of that movie. Uh, but I mean, you you grew up around that area, so I don't know. Did you? Well, have I'm any... pretty sure that that song is referencing the East Side of 110th Street. Is it the East Street? Side? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's the 100. I so when I, where I was living when I was in high school is 110th and Broadway. Yeah, or 106th and Broadway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, that area I don't think is where any R&B songs are being written about that area because that's right. Columbia. Right. Um, that's like a pretty, I mean, it's, it's changed got, a lot. But I was thinking about Morningside Park too. I mean, yeah, I, I honestly true. don't know which side. Yeah, it's I actually referencing. don't know. I'm not sure. Because yeah, Morningside Park was pretty rough yeah. um, back back in the day. It's not anymore really. But like in the, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Um, of course, there, I mean, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we because uh... I remember like when I when I went to high school, when we first moved to Manhattan, it I, I, I lived on 106 between Broadway and Amsterdam. Yeah. And Broadway was Columbia University. Right. And right. it was like very safe and there's nothing to worry about. But it was like a thing where it was like stay off of Amsterdam at night. Yeah. Because mm. even then, you know, in 2004, 2003, like Amsterdam was still kind of dicey. And I remember, you know, as a teenager, like seeing, you know, drug dealers and stuff on the on the corners and sex workers and stuff and being like, wow, this is really New York. You know, this is is really, you know, this is not not, you know, the Upper East Side. And uh, and that has completely changed. That's all gone now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But like back in the 80s and like during the crack epidemic and and I think even way before that, uh, Morningside Park was like one of the most dangerous places to be yeah. in New York City. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is about that. I'm I'm, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if your instinct is right. I mean, I didn't see anything specifically yeah. about East or West Side. I just thought yeah. that like one one tenth in Park. Yeah. Is like a mm. thing. It's yeah. like that's that area uh, is is like a thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, that's the only reason why I, I it makes me think of that it's probably the east side but yeah i know that harlem starts a lot further south on the east side than it does on the west side yeah Mm. Yeah. Um, well speaking of things i feel like that transitions into another one of the songs yeah uh which is uh 53rd and third by uh the ramones which uh is a ramones song i don't know actually yeah i mean it's 
it sounds like a Ramon song. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not surprised. Yeah. It's not a bad My Ramon's appreciation pretty much begins and ends with Rocket to Russia. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So. Well, you had Ramon's on your list too, Rockaway yeah. Beach. I yeah. love that song. It's on Rocket Russia. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, yeah. 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 And I love that record. And I, I kind of love the Ramones in the way like people love bands that they listened to when they were teenagers. You I mean, know? they're right. they are quintessential teenage bands. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're so good. I, I don't yeah. know if you ever, have you ever seen uh, Rock and Roll High School by any chance? <laughs> no. And it's funny that I've never seen it because I was gifted the DVD of Rock and Roll High School when I was like 13 or something. I think yeah. like my mom got it for me. Yeah. yeah. And I remember just never wanting to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> never, yeah. I, I was like, even as a 13 year old, I was just like, I can tell that this is probably a pretty boring, weird movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I'm, I'm as I as I gather, I'm right. I have a totally skewed perspective on it for this reason. Recently, uh, I made a, a feature-length film that was just ripping every single like there's no original content it's all ripping from various cultural uh -huh. things and i it's you know I'm, i made these songs and then made essentially music video slash scenes to each one of the songs and uh the final song of uh national lampoon's global staycation mm -hmm. uh which is the name, which of, is the name of the thing uh <laughs> is uh it is it, so it takes um rock and roll high school from 1979 uh -huh. And Rock and Roll High School from 1991, which stars Corey Feldman, uh. and smashes the two of them together. There's one character that's the same. Uh, and her name is like uh, Professor Vader. It's like it's, it's so it's, it's so absurd. Yeah. Uh, but we'll put a uh, we'll put a link. Yeah, we'll put a link to it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I could say that the 79 version is. Um, quantum leaps better than the Corey Feldman version, which, really? you know, yeah. probably matches up. It always seemed to me like Rock and Roll High School was like a like a cheap knockoff of a bad National Lampoon movie. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like it's not like a cheap knockoff of Animal House. Yeah. Right. It was like a cheap knockoff of Caddyshack 2. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't, but I don't know. I've never yeah, seen yeah. it. So, yeah. I, pro I really shouldn't, I should really shut my mouth. Yeah. Uh, I know that for a lot of people, it's like a classic. It's like, yeah, I, I can't, I, I'm not even sure if it's classic or not. I enjoyed it, but I, the way that I watched it was literally like, stop play, stop play. What do yeah, I right, like? You know, chop, right, chop, chop, right. chop, chop. I haven't actually watched it as well, you just You were watching a piece it to like gather nuts and berries from Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, getting back to where we were, like uh, 53rd and 3rd, which I didn't really know until we were doing the research for this, and it comes up again uh, through the Jim Carroll band because yeah. he was prostituting himself at 53rd and 3rd. I mean, right. it, was, it was a cruising yeah. spot back before it is now very much not. It's so right. It's There's so three banks on that corner. That. Yeah. We, yeah. we just walked through it on our way over here, and we're like, where could any of this have even happened? It's like fully just concrete big buildings yep. there's not even like a single doorway that you could like hide in or yeah. like small alleys or anything like that like it must have just it's like Sutton so Place much. over there it's like yeah, yeah. Uh, now yeah yeah it's it's a Sutton Place I guess starts further north but like oh, yeah yeah it's yeah like, I don't know if it technically is but it's right but it's like there. that kind yeah. it's like residential it's, it's like old people live around there mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure and like, like massive bank buildings so and there's a big Starbucks it's it's like, so it's so weird I have like vague memories of what Midtown was like in the 90s yeah um which was like the tail end uh of of you know Midtown being a rough neighborhood mm -hmm. yeah um 
And like, I remember, cause my, both my parents worked in the garment center when I was a kid. And so I actually spent a lot of time in Midtown, um, you know, in around, you know, the forties and, and seventh Avenue and stuff. Yeah. And I remember being a, like a little kid and being near Times Square. Um, and this may have even been just after Disney, um, kind of, you know, started to, to turn 42nd street around, mm. but they're just being porn theaters everywhere right you know, i mean everywhere hmm. i asked my dad once like what was what was new york like like in the the 70s and the 80s and he just told me like you know what new york was like i was walking through grand central station uh at like you know five o'clock on like a, a weekday and uh, i was you know coming off the train like entering the city and i see like a sex worker talking to like a John, like in the middle of the of the you know main area of, of Grand Central Station, like near the the information booth, and I see her just go like, oh, hang on one second, squat down, pull down her underwear, and take a piss right in the middle of Grand Central. That's what New York was like in the seventies. I was just like, oh, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So I mean, wow. I don't know if that story is true or not but yeah. that's that's what he told me i guess that's why like if you're a true new yorker you're not like looking up at this beautiful ceiling in grand central you're like i'm gonna just keep moving well here. i mean now i do <laughs> no, I'm, it is, you know? I, I'm just kidding i'm yeah. just fucking around but, <laughs> but yeah no it's totally i mean yeah. there, there are i mean i i you know i can't tell you like how many like you know family friends people who who were here for the thick of it who are just like you have no idea yeah, yeah. It, it was just so wild. the opposite of what it is now. Yeah. This is the only reason I'm bringing this up because it is super relevant. This week, I was at uh, Myrtle and uh, Bushwick Avenue. Yeah. Turned the corner talking to my sister on the phone, and there was a woman who was like three quarters uh, standing like this, just pissing right up against one of those oh green gosh. billboards. And we like made very solid eye contact. Yeah. And I just kept talking to my sister as I was on the phone and yeah. just kept walking. Yep. So, I mean, not Grand Central. You know, no, not right. commuter, it's moved. But, you know, there was literally a corner two feet further. I feel like you Myrtle Broadway, yeah. it's like that area specifically is like a monument. Yeah, that's right. The dream like, is alive. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's like a bubble, yeah. you yeah. know, where it's like New York will always be New York right here. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, I think more people die crossing the street at Myrtle Broadway than anywhere else in the city. It's like the most really like, statistically Damn. like the most oh, dangerous yeah. where my street studio to cross. is now. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. 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 It's just, it's just cuz like there's, you know, traffic night. Yeah, and yeah. there's also just a lot of people like crossing the street while sleeping. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's intense. We uh also the we sent along this uh, a list to you that actually had a different Gil Scott Heron song than what was on there originally yeah. we yeah, had the, a, originally it was madison avenue but they actually don't have that song on spotify mm. so i couldn't put it on the list and uh, it's uh it's yeah yeah i mean it's a very like uh railing against consumerism right. type, type song which uh, yeah it's fun and uh also like you go to madison avenue and it's like this is where all the creation happens that like right you know impacts the rest of the world not just new york and yeah, yeah. it's so I don't know. We've walked up and down there a few times now. Uh, this is our oh, Madison. Yeah, this is our second tour of Manhattan. We were here back in August, and you know, went to different boroughs, and now we're back again. And yeah, there's there's something about particularly that midtown section of Madison Avenue, which just it's it's foreign, or I don't know. It's weird. I, I, yeah, it's just 
It's weird, yeah. and I know that, and it's very weird uh, for me actually because that's where my dad lived when I was oh. a kid. It was yeah. my, where my grandfather lived. My dad was living with my grandfather yeah. for a time when I was when I was growing up, and so I was spending every weekend on Madison and 64th yeah. as a kid, and which is further further north, and that's more kind of where it becomes more residential slash fashion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but like you know that yeah that whole stretch of Madison is is that I mean that whole area Midtown East from like you know 59th to 34th you know like east of Lex mm-hmm. is such a bizarre part of New of, of New York City yeah, yeah it's, it's so very, relentlessly like, curated and yeah. wide yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 it's very it like feels like there's so much space but it's like not really usable space it's all just right. kind of like like it almost feels like it's too expensive for itself right you know it's like not new york can't even afford to live (laughs) in that area and it's just like we've just given up it's just it's just too it's too expensive yeah Yeah. there's just nothing like you know it's just office buildings and like you know salons and stuff i met one of one of my first jobs in new york my freshman year of college was to work on sundays as a coat girl at a hair salon on Madison and 60th, I think. Uh-huh. And um, it was so bizarre. It was over the summer. So like no one was wearing coats, but people would like right. bring me their like small dog to like hold in the coat closet and then give me like a $40 tip. And, like, wow. it, was, like, great. it was a great job. It was a fantastic job. That sounds awesome. Um, but it was also <laughs> super bizarre. Yeah, God, I can't even imagine. <laughs> We uh, we have a couple more songs left on the list, but yeah. I want to I want to tackle your stuff now because okay. uh, people can go on the uh, on the YouTube and uh, we'll leave a link for uh, I guess both lists. You know, if yeah. you'd like to give us your list as well, you're sure. going to go over. But uh, but yeah, we do, I, tell tell us a okay. little bit. I uh, give us your give your high notes. Sure. All right. So first song in the list, and it's the these first two songs in the list are to me kind of like two sides of the same coin, but like just totally capture, like to me when I think of the sound of New York, one of them is kind of Ken Burns' fault. Um, but the other one just is just totally organically, the Ornithology mm-hmm. by Charlie Parker. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, I, w- I don't think I'll ever associate any single artist with New York more than like Charlie Parker. No, It's just, that's like an end of discussion, case closed thing for me personally, because yeah. I just think it's it's it is everything that New York aspires to be: cool, elegant, and sophisticated, while also like raw and gritty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's all of those things combined seamlessly. Also, just like he's the greatest. He is. The greatest I mean, he's that Disney, there folks. ever was. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like New York is the greatest city in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if, if New York's the greatest city in the world, then it must have created the greatest musician to have ever lived. And who's the greatest musician to have ever lived? Charlie Parker. Like that, that's just a fact. Right. Um, but yeah, ornithology to me, that just sounds, it's, it's so effortless. It's so classy, but it also, it like, it moves with like a New York kind of pace, and it just in- instantly talk about like cinematic. Mm-hmm. Like, I if I could if I walk down Sixth Avenue and put on Ornithology, I'm in a movie. 
-hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like you just feel like you're in some like classic, you know, Woody Allen movie or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I listened to it while cooking dinner the other night after you sent it, and I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was in a movie. Yeah. I was like, oh, who, oh, who, me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's uh, just a chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 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 an amazing composition, and that recording of it is is the definitive recording of it. Um, uh, so the other the other song, which is also is a Dizzy Gillespie composition, but is you know they're, they're more or less kind of the same band, um, and I'm sure it's it's uh, Charlie Parker who's who's playing uh, alto sax on it uh, is uh, Salt Peanuts, mm -hmm. and that is sort of like the other side of the coin because it's frantic and it's frenetic mm -hmm. and it's you know super high energy, so it has like that subway energy. But the reason why I say it's partly Ken Burns' fault is because like in classic Ken Burns style, there's like this incredible anecdote about Salt Peanuts in the documentary about jazz that he made, mm. which is that it's this Salt Peanuts uh, is like arguably like the first big bebop hit mm -hmm. that was like on the radio. It was like it was kind of the, the nation like moment of bebop, um, which was such a huge shift for jazz and like I think of New York jazz, I think of, of bebop. Cause like mm. New York doesn't own jazz, obviously. Like New Orleans mm -hmm. is as much a claim to owning jazz as like Chicago is, as you know, Los Angeles has its own, you know, Kansas thing. Kansas City, I Kansas believe. Kansas City, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. all, all, kinds of, all kinds of places kind of claim jazz. But I think that New York can claim bebop, which, mm. and it's the most New York style of jazz. Cause like, you know, bebop was the moment where jazz kind of stopped being music that you danced to and became music that you thought about, mm -hmm. which is a very New York right. approach totally. to jazz. You know, you can't really dance. That's like the whole thing with bebop. You don't go in a dance hall and, you know, dance to it. It's not really popular music. You go to a club and you sit down and you shut the fuck up and you right. listen to the intellectual gods, yeah. like, who have blessed you with the experience to peep at their genius right. um, you know which is so New York but like there's the anecdote is this that that song was a hit in like in 1946 and there's a story about a GI who's like re re retelling like he was like I was on a you know on a, a, a carrier coming back from Europe and we had just won the war and I was so excited to be coming home to, the, to America after this horrific, you know, traumatic experience that we'd all gone through together. We'd been on the ocean for a couple of days and then we pull into New York Harbor and we slowly start to pick up the, the radio frequencies of, you know, American radio stations. And the first thing I heard was this song that was just from Mars. And it was like this, the sound of like, the, that I had never heard before and was frantic and frenetic and celebratory and joyous and it just sounded like America celebrating oh. winning World War II <laughs> as you enter New York Harbor and like wow i am i know that that's like so maudlin <laughs> and like and like so like cheesy who was the actor that was saying it? Was right, it Tom yeah. Hanks? Was it? <laughs> no, I think that it was actually a, a, a real interview oh, that, okay, they were, cool. that they were yeah. like cutting back and forth yeah, to the yeah. guy, but I, I can't remember. But, uh, but it's just like the perfect image of like New York in, the, in 1946. We yeah. just won the war and it's 
salt peanuts, you know, know, and it's, to me, that just, like, instantly makes me think of, like, this, the the energy that people think of when they think of New York. Yeah. The, like, you know, subway cars speeding past you and the, the high frequency, you know, rapid fire sort of New York imagery. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are the, those are the big two. Yeah. For me. yeah, those are the two that really feel like just the official anthems uh, of of New York. Effortlessly, weren't trying to be, just happened to be. Right. Um, but uh, I have a lot of I have a lot of um, of that period of of music. I also have West End Blues um, is the next one on my list, which is you know a, a seminal moment. Louis Armstrong. This predates bebop, but uh, is it was a, an instant sensation when when that recording came out because mm-hmm. it was uh, the the um, sort of fanfare that Louis Armstrong does at the beginning of it was like something that nobody had ever really heard before, and then is also you know just he he recorded it pretty soon after he moved to New York from Chicago if I'm getting my history right, um, and is is just a sort of like Louis Armstrong's arrival on the scene in New York, which is really like the start of true New York jazz history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhapsody in Blue. We got to talk about Rhapsody in Blue. Sure. Because uh, this is one that kind of, I can't decide if it's too obvious. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it really straddles the line. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was almost hesitant to put it on there because I'm like, Ooh, is Rhapsody in Blue like too like iconic New York? I mean, it's like like in you know, it, it's like the Disney version of New York right. is scored to Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah, but like at the end of the day, it's rap. I mean, it's yeah. just <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah, you know, and like it's also the most Jewish. I think that like Rhapsody mm. in Blue is the most well-rounded piece of New York music because like it pulls from every piece of New York culture. You've got that incredible, you know, clarinet uh, solo at the beginning, which is just like pure Jewish, you know, musical tradition. Mm -hmm. And then obviously it's a classical piece. So you've got the Upper East Side crowd Mm -hmm. and then there's jazz and there's you know, moments of frantic, you know, subway energy. And then there's like beautiful pastoral, you know, Central Park theming. And like, I, I don't I don't even know if, uh, if Gershwin meant to have it like be about New York, but it just seems like it is. Right. Without having a single word. Right. You know, it's just all musical, but it just sounds like New York. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think... Uh... There, it's going to be something that stands the test of time. Like, it's not like people are going to be like, this is too schmaltzy. If anything, it's just going to, yeah. you know, if it, it, I don't know. I, I think it, it may like edify further, like kind of get more concrete, but it's also kind of there already. Like it, it's not, it doesn't have the same type of like, like vibrancy that a bebop might have, but like, it, right. I don't know if, I don't know if it was ever built to have that from the beginning. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. It makes sense to have it on there. For yeah, sure. and uh, and I think the kind of the other side of the coin, which I think that this does lean more towards, and I included it on purpose to sort of be a counterpoint 
to Rhapsody in Blue is the prologue from West Side Story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also because yeah. I, mm -hmm. I was like, I gotta put some musical theater right, in there. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't want to put a song from West Side Story in there because uh, I, I, it's, it's too complicated to explain. I have very mixed feelings you about West Side Story. You want Officer Krubke uh, on your playlist? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I think that I, a part of me struggles to take West Side Story seriously because like on the one hand like the music is so good yeah but the actor performances are always just inherently so phony sure you know and so like I love cool like the song cool but like when I hear musical theater singers sing it even in the original Broadway cast recording I'm just like you're not that cool <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why I did the prologue because yeah. it's just it's just Leonard Bernstein. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just pure Leonard Bernstein doing his thing. And that it sounds, sounds like New York yeah. to me. Well, I think also, like, if you haven't seen it for a while, like, I haven't, I mean, I never saw it performed live. I saw the movie, of course, but like, yeah. What just seeing like oh something from West Side Story like that's appropriate yeah. and I like remember all the good like all the things that really do relate to New York but yeah. but don't but I don't have to like experience what you're like the cheesy part that yeah. you're yeah. talking about Sim Zam yeah where are we going we going downtown bim boom exactly you know, like, they couldn't exactly. curse it's just like it's the whole thing it's just like this bizarre fake swearing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah ah go cheese it off yeah. action <laughs> some shit like that yeah I, w I really want somebody to mount a production of west side story where they just replace all the fake cursing with real cursing so it's just like hey action get the fuck over here <laughs> and tell tony to go fuck himself have like robert de niro and cool, that boys. other guy do it what's that what's the other guy that plays with robert de niro yeah, all like the al, time? al pacino uh, or, yeah yeah, yeah. Or, uh, or the other guy uh, Sorry, Joe Pesci. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Who, I want, Pesci that's who I want. That's what I Robert De Niro <laughs> doing Fosse. <laughs> that would be so good. Yeah. They could get uh, Martin Scorsese to de-age them. Yes. Like in yeah. yeah, like that last one. Yeah. Yeah. Do the whole thing mocap. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's still Robert, or uh, what? It's it's still De Niro unable to like move his body. So it's like, <laughs> right. oh yeah, yeah, you're 30. Okay, I yeah. believe that. I'm yeah. into it. Yeah. Get Benicio del Toro to play all. Yeah. Of the Latino characters. <laughs> <laughs> he just like Tyler Perry's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I I want to talk about your music, but I so okay. I, I but before we do that, if you were to Should pick one burning song desire. Well, I want if you were to pick one song, let's say, that you were gonna walk around the streets of New York with mm. that we haven't covered already, what would be like kind of the cinematic song that is that you good... would recommend for people? question that is a really good question um i guess i would have to go with flamenco sketches honestly it's i feel like that's a fairly cheesy answer but it's just the the one that like is i'm looking at this list and it's like me this yeah. one yeah. right here yeah yeah um yeah and it's funny because that song is beautiful anywhere i mean it's just it's a it, it makes me fucking cry when yeah. I hear that. Um, and it's a Bill Evans uh, composition. It's a weird, weird history with that song because it's a. It was originally a Bill Evans composition called Peace, Peace. Okay. Mm -hmm. Peace like serenity. Peace like oh, composition. Peace, yeah. peace. Okay. Uh, that he Im included on one of his first records. Everybody digs Bill Evans, and then Miles Davis liked it so much 
that he was like, we're going to put that on kind of blue mm. and we're going to flesh it out and make it a new composition. Uh, and they like wrote some other changes to it in the original version. It's just that like that one chord progression over and over and over again. And he just kind of does variations on it. But like, it's just that like, it, like there, there's no more like beautiful, like New Yorky moment to me than like sitting in like Brooklyn Bridge Park and looking at the Manhattan skyline like during sunset mm-hmm. and play, and like listening to flamenco sketches like mm-hmm. that that would just devastate me like every time yeah. like in the most self-indulgent cheesy like sure. you know if you put that in a movie it would be criticized for being, <laughs> for being like too spot on yeah yeah like it, it would be too obvious but if you do it in real life in private you'll cry <laughs> like if you if you're sitting in Brooklyn Bridge Park at sunset looking at lower Manhattan listening to flamenco sketches and you don't cry get go the fuck back to Wisconsin okay I'm saying it here for now you don't belong here <laughs> I love it but I, I have to, I have a burning desire I have to talk about the roaches Oh, oh yeah, yes. we were listening yes. to that yesterday. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go on. Because that's this is, such a good song. This is just a band that that uh, doesn't get talked about a lot, and I am evangelical about them. Um, and I think relates interestingly to uh, the New York folk scene because so the, the the Roaches are a band. They're actually from New Jersey. It's these three sisters, Maggie, mm-hmm. Terry, and Suzzy, that started a folk tri- uh, folk trio. Uh, Paul Simon discovered them they would have been discovered either way but, sure. um and had them sing backup vocals on uh, a couple of tracks and there goes Ryman simon but then they got a record deal and they uh made records for about 20 years and they were a major part of the new york folk scene in the late 70s mm-hmm. and 80s mm-hmm. which is a weird period they were uh very very regular at uh, a club called uh, Folk City, mm. mm-hmm. um, which I don't think exists anymore. Um, they wrote a song about Folk City called Face Down at Folk City, which is a really funny song. And their music is amazing. Yeah. It's Their their f- harmonies are just breathtaking, um, but also their, their witticisms mm. are incredible. They are simultaneously the funniest and the saddest band mm-hmm. of all time mm-hmm. um, they have like this incredible sense of humor and they have these these songs that have this childlike it's almost like a cynical toddler <laughs> it's hard to describe um, but then they also have these songs of just like pure unselfconscious uh, like bare heartbreak mm. that just like lay bare this deep, resigned, emotional mourning that j- it can just break you into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that this song actually perfectly kind of encapsulates both of those feelings. It's, and I'm, I was really I was really pleased with myself when I when I selected this this song called The Train, yeah. um, which is about the experience of being a commuter on a commuter train into New York City. Mm-hmm. And the song is really funny. It has these really funny lyrics about being afraid of the guy who's sitting next to you. Right. He's right. drinking two beers and mm-hmm. reading the New York Post. Um, <laughs> and But it's also like, 
the, it, it, it comes across very clearly in the song that like this person is longing mm-hmm. for something and it's not specified really what it is, but that there, there's a melancholy, there's a, a mysterious kind of melancholy to the song that like if you look at it through that prism can really, really cut you yeah. um, emotionally. And well, the, uh, the inability to puncture that barrier in New York City, which like yeah. can be a curse and also a blessing at the same time. Yeah. Like, when do you want that barrier up? When do you want it down? Yeah. It's like the incredible loneliness of being in the middle of a crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's sort of, which is like which such is a, a New York feeling. Universal New York yeah. experience. Yeah. Everybody knows what it's like to be like surrounded by people on all sides and feel totally alone. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, and that song, I feel like, as well as any song, just captures that feeling. Mm-hmm. But in general, I just need to make like a public pitch for everyone to listen to The Roaches. Yeah. Because they are one of the great, they never really had any breakthrough success. And uh, like it's like a tragedy that yeah. they're not like the most celebrated singer-songwriters of their generation. I was so glad that you put that on there because I there's one song of theirs that I think is on the same album. It's the Hammond song. Yeah. Um, which I have like also on another playlist. It, it oh, must really? have just like shown up and I was like, I like this, this is beautiful. Yeah. And so I hear that song all the time and I was like, I recognize this voice. Yeah. Like, what is this? And then, so now I'm going to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. But I've never even listened to the whole listen thing. Listen to that. So, yeah, that's that's great, off their first album. That. Um, I highly recommend you listen to that album and an album called Speak mm-hmm. and an album, if you can find it, because it, it's like not on any street. I happen to have it because I had a DVD of it, or a DVD, a CD that I ripped onto my computer when I was like a teenager uh-huh. and it's still on my iTunes nice. from then. But I think you'd have to like buy it off of yeah. eBay yeah. Um, called A Dove, cool. um, which is just like the most beautiful record ever. They also were on an episode of Tiny Toons. Oh, oh really? Fun fact. That's hilarious. Yes, as cartoon roaches. Nice. Uh, somebody in the writing staff at Tiny Tunes was a fan. Nice. But that, that's also <laughs> a very New York song for me because the way that I know about the Roaches is that my dad and my mom were big fans oh. of theirs and would go to see them live in the 80s. And so my sister and I listened to the Roaches constantly as right. children right. Um, oh. in the car. So like it's it's layers upon layers of like New York right. impression for yeah. me when, yeah. I, when I hear that. So. I think we could probably do another hour and a half just about your musical background, <laughs> but I do want to give you an opportunity to talk about very, very briefly, because also I'm starting to get worried about our battery. Sure. Oh. sure. Um, tell us about the new yeah. album for your band that's uh, you know, yeah. in process. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'm in a band called Sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the drummer. Um, I formed the band with uh, my guitarist, whose name is John Ferris. We went to college together. Um, we have an incredible singer named Federica and a wonderful bass player named Andrew. Um, we've been playing for a couple of years in and around New York. Uh, it's uh, alternative rock, shoegaze. Uh, uh, <laughs> I always like stutter <laughs> and stop. I'm like, what kind of music do we play? I never know how to describe it. Um, dream pop mm-hmm. was, sure. the, was the word that I was looking for. I'd say like um, Cranberries and My Bloody Valentine yeah. smashed together. Yep. If, 
if that sounds right to you. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always try to decide whether or not to com compare us to the cranberries because it sounds like self-aggrandizing. I'm like, yeah. yeah, we sound like the cranberries. Yeah, but, you know, but <laughs> it's like, but it's true though. Yeah. And it's like the first thing that I think a lot of I people would so. say when they hear it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a new album um, that we recorded uh, a month and a half ago, something like that, two months ago. We've been working on this album for quite a while. We were supposed to record it in April. That didn't happen <laughs> because the world ended. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we uh, are really excited. We've worked really hard on it. It's a great collection of songs. Um, and uh, we're in the process of mixing it right now. It should be out pretty soon. I would say um, early 2021. Does it have Yay. a title yet or no? We have not titled okay. the album yet. I am, I've am. i definitely got some, some titles that I'm pushing for that will get absolutely vetoed. Um, <laughs> but it is our first uh, long play album. We nice. have released two EPs and a single. This will be our first full length album. Amazing. And sooner, uh, spell deal. it out for folks. S-O-O-N-E-R. Yeah. Instagram is Sooner Music. Nice. I think. <laughs> is it Sooner Music? Or so it's, I think it's changed sooner a couple band. times. It might be actually now. Hold on. Sooner. Sooner Sounds. Oh. <laughs> None of those. Sooner Sounds. Yeah, sooner it sounds. is Sooner Sounds, no space. Sooner Sounds on Instagram. Uh, and you can get links to all of our, all of our music there. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Man. Of course. Really thank it. you so much. This was so much fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was great to have you. Yeah, thank you. All right, that's our episode for this week. Thanks again so much to Tom for coming out and having a chat with us. We really enjoyed it. Next week, we are in Manhattan once again for a tour of Seinfeld sites. <laughs> yeah. We'll have another uh, theme. Yeah. Crazy theme. I'm really excited. Yeah. We're going to be watching a lot of Seinfeld to prepare for that. That's right. we got to bone up real quick. So we hope you join us for that week. Uh, if you haven't, please like, please subscribe, please share with folks. We love doing this. We want to get it out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Bye. Bye.